You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. What we got here is a failure to communicate. Oh, have I got your attention now? For lack of a better word, good. You know what I mean? Money to be made in a place like this. Money never sleeps, pal. You're crazy. You know what it takes to sell real estate? It takes brass, 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 brass. I'm falling, and I can't get up. Help! All right, welcome to Money Never Sleeps. We've been gone for a couple of weeks, but we're back, and we're going to be talking about a lot of things here on the show tonight. And, uh, well, before we get into anything, you know, a lot of things have been happening in the financial industry uh, and finance in general. Uh, but before, as I said, before we get into anything, let me bring on uh, my guest co-host, John Dines of REO Capital, LLC. Yeah, John, welcome back. How you doing, buddy? Good, Lou. Happy belated uh, holidays, and uh, hopefully uh, you enjoyed the Super Bowl yesterday. Oh, yeah, it was lights out. It was interesting. Yeah, it was lights <laughs> out, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought the Fed was behind it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, at first they said it was Beyonce's halftime show that did it, and then they said that uh, the stadium didn't pay their bill. Yeah, I don't know what was going on there. All I know is that when the lights went out, ooh, a lot of speculation arose. But a lot of uh, advertisers out there used that opportunity to uh, get social. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, is quite smart. A, quite, a, quite an array of interesting commercials. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it was pretty interesting. I, mean, I think the one that I liked best came from Taco Bell. Uh, yeah, that was a good the, one. That that was classic, you know, 90 years old and pulling all those pranks, getting tattoos, <laughs> piercing. I was like, oh, my God. I think what killed me is when the uh, the elderly lady came out of the uh, the stall with the young guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was funny. It was funny. <laughs> oh, my Lord. best was the uh, Audi uh, uh, prom commercial. Oh, that yeah, classic. Classic. That that was uh, that was pretty good. And the kid walked away with a black eye and a big smile. Yeah, yeah. He's driving his dad's Audi home with a big black eye. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> yeah, every year they they uh, they try to bring uh, the best to the table uh, during the Super Bowl with the commercials because you know they're paying. I think it's upwards of a million dollars for I think it was three million this year. Was it three million? Wow. Yeah. You know and. and but with that with that power outage, I I would assume that it had some sort of impact because you know thirty four minutes, you know was a long time uh, to uh, be stagnant. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I'm sure they got more of their airplay than they expected. Yeah, but my like I, I have a theory. I have a theory. Okay, I think that Mrs. Harbo was uh, in in the uh, she was sitting there <laughs> next to her husband, and she. She said, I'll be right back at the pat of my nose, okay, yeah. and uh, pulled the plug because she wanted her son, her other son to catch up, which, she, which you <laughs> know what, at the end of the day, you know, you know, no one left, no one was crushed, no one was destroyed, you know, the 49ers, you know, uh, fought back, they didn't win, but it made it uh, a really interesting game, without a doubt, but uh, no, a lot of money was made, uh during that that uh, whole uh, Super Bowl deal, right, right. I, I think it was. Uh, although I must confess, Lou, I I have to say I'm. Yeah, I like some of the older commercials, uh, uh, Super Bowl, uh, the older ones that the Budweiser where the frogs in harmony would say Bud, why, sir? You know, oh, but those are those, those are classic. Those are classic yeah. commercials. You know, yeah. uh, I I I think you know that GoDaddy thing. You know, I, I don't know. I, when when I saw that, I said, I, I don't know. It's like a car wreck. You know, it was so simple. Probably cost them about, you know, uh, you know, ten grand to make. Because I mean, maybe a little more because they have to pay the uh, the model to actually do it. So that's probably a hundred grand or maybe a million. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever they had to pay her to kiss that dude. Um, but uh, you know, they 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 try to push the envelope. But I'm, right. I'm happy. That you know, like uh, the Clydesdale, 
uh, commercial right. was really nice. That was a touching one. Right. Um, the Jeep commercial, I wouldn't, I didn't like. I mean, I liked the fact that they were honoring uh, the soldiers. Didn't like the fact that they were using that, you know, to sell uh, their vehicles. So. I don't remember the Jeep commercial. What what would what would it? Uh... Uh, it just had you know soldiers coming home and so on and so forth. And they said, you know, uh, the Jeep, we're here for you, whatever. You know, it, it, was, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't like the former commercial, okay? It right. wasn't anything like that. The former commercial was interesting. You didn't know what was happening. You didn't know what it was about. I, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a commodity commercial. <laughs> I was like, hey, they're promoting corn or carrots. I, I, you know, I think, I think the best, uh, the best car commercial was years ago when, uh, Datsun, the 240Z or 280Z, was outrunning the jet. Yeah, in, yeah. In Super Bowl years, I don't remember how many years ago. Yeah, yeah, but see, though, those commercials that, you know, they made way back when uh, are classic. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of set, they, they raise the bar every year, you know, and I'm just happy that some advertising agencies, you know, that are out there that are representing these brands, that they're actually, you know, uh, again, with the Clydesdale and and uh, certain other commercials, that they're actually, you know, bringing something interesting to the table, like the uh, the baby one, uh, the one with yeah. the baby. But that yeah. that was a cute one. Uh, but that those was things, good. They, yeah, those things, you know, they they kind of uh, sit in your mind for a while. Okay. Right. But I guess I guess if you wanted to do that and really leave an impact, I guess GoDaddy did their job because that's like a nightmare commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Although they they said that uh, economic output output actually shrank in the fourth quarter, so this first quarter, I guess they they uh, the lawmakers said if they had known how bad the economy was in December, it would have been much harder for the president to have had his way on uh, tax increases, and including mm-hmm. in the fiscal cliff deal. But mm-hmm. uh, hopefully this. Uh, the Super Bowl will add to the first quarter revenues, and um, you know we'll see uh, some growth. Although, uh, you know, in his comments in the inaugural address, he he did uh, try to allude that um, there was slow, steady growth, and uh, I mean, recovery was but, underway. But you know, we've been hearing that for some time, and and you know, I I, I know that there is some growth uh, happening. Uh, it's not happening the way that we would like to see it to boost up the economy. Uh, I think a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, if people out there have uh, watched the movie, uh, you know, uh, Wag the Dog, um, you know, it's interesting how a big problem is there. Then all of a sudden all these other things happen to distract you, okay, from the real problem. You know, we haven't dealt with the real problem yet. Yeah, they said now that the lawmakers are saying that, if they had known how bad the economy was, that uh, they would have advocated that the the economy was not strong enough to bear the burden of the tax increases. Um, and, and for me, I got to admit, Lou, it's kind of hard to believe that someone uh, who is a senator or a congressman uh, does not have access to um, that instantaneous economic data. And oh, they, uh, they have it, and, and they, does not pay attention to it. Yeah, they have it. They they choose to put it aside because you know I believe on the Hill you have uh, you know the House and the Senate. You know you have uh, a lot of. I mean everyone there has their own agenda, and they're doing things right. for their reasons, and, and and it really has nothing to do with it, do, it it being done for the greater good of the people. And that is what I have a problem with because you start putting your own agenda ahead of what's good for the people. And that's where you have, you know, this big battle. You know, uh, it took them that long to sign that uh, that Sandy Relief Bill, you know, for $50 right. billion, fifty right. well, I think $6 billion, okay? And it took, you know, President Obama five minutes to sign it. Right. Okay, you know, I mean, is it that hard? You know, do you have to go and, and throw all that, that, that pork in there? Is that necessary? to do the right thing. You know, th- this is why I think a, a lot of people uh, are losing faith in their politicians. You know, but social media and, and outlets like that, 
you know, you really can't hide. It's, it makes it harder to hide. Right. They said uh, Congress's uh, disapproval rating is at 78.6, only 15.4 approve of Congress. And what's odd to me is yet 52.3 of the American percentage of the American public approve of Obama's job approval and and 42.9 disapprove. So Mm -hmm. that disparity is um, troubling. I, 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 I haven't got that figured out yet. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I mean, no one, I mean, people out there are beginning not to trust the government. Okay, and you should never trust, you know, the government uh, 100% anyway. You always ask questions. You know, as a kid, you know, you're always asking questions. And then, you know, as an adult, you should always ask questions when it comes to your government. You know, uh, they try to condition us to be like sheep and just move forward and and just yes and yes and, and let's go you know, protest, let's do this, and let's uh, rah, rah, rah behind something, and you have no clue. You know, case in point, you know, if you look at that, that Occupy Wall Street uh, situation that was happening for a while, okay, right. you know, I, I got to say about 70% of those people didn't know what they were protesting about. They just want to protest. It, it's, you know? it's dumbfounding to me, um, you know, and here Obama is going back on the road, campaigning now for his gun control and and why he thinks he has to get on Air Force One and, and do a road show for his uh, for his uh, arguments uh, for uh, gun control is beyond my comprehension uh, at the cost of three million dollars per flight um, it, it doesn't seem logical that, that we need to have our president all the time campaigning for uh, whatever is the, the the flavor of the month. Well, and the interesting thing about it is that you don't you don't hear a lot of people talking about that. You know, uh, you know, gun control and 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 you know what happened uh, with the with the kids at Sandy Hook and everything, and that sparked the whole you know debate. You know, with uh, with President Obama having no choice, but he has to. For him, he has to do something about it, which is you know great. You go and you try to you know well, work something out, but don't don't jeopardize the Second Amendment. And, friend, friend, but, of mine, friend of mine gave that, me a simple solution and said that we have a uh, sex offender list of people not necessarily displaying what their crime was or what mm-hmm. they were accused of or or convicted of but just that there's a list and why can't we have without violating HIPAA laws for confidentiality of your medical records why can't we have the same kind of list for people who have been either uh, court ordered uh, institutionalized or self-admitted institutionalized and not what they were institutionalized for but Mm -hmm. for every gun shop owner if your name is on that list, you can't buy a gun. But that's what they should do, and it's interesting that you know that becomes something of a debate, you know. And and here I'm, I'm going to quote something. Okay, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but uh, Joe Rogan, the comedian, he's also uh, one of the voices for Ultimate Fighting Championship. He sent this message. I sent this tweet that his tweet out. No, uh, not maybe about a week ago. He said, this country has a mental health problem disguised as a gun problem and, and right. a tyranny problem disguised as a security problem. Now, right. you know, it, it, again, it comes down to, you know, this cloak and dagger nonsense, and they're, they're cloaking the real problem. Right, right, right. That, that's why uh, I, I suggested that we, we put together without violating confidentiality and rights of the patient just a list that is uh, provided to uh, people who sell uh, armor, armament and, and guns um, of people who have been in the um, mental uh, institutions so that Gabby Gifford-type shootings don't mm-hmm. happen again. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I agree with that, you know, but, you know, then, then you have the bleeding heart liberals that come out and say, you can't do that. You can't go and violate this and that. And then all of a sudden, you know, you can't, you know, probe 
And to, I mean, again, no one wants the government in their business, but if you have a mental health issue, it should be document, documented and you should not be able to have a firearm. That I agree yeah, so, somewhere, somewhere in that background check, that, that information should come up. Yeah, and then, then also I'll even add on to that, John. You know, I believe that, look, you know, this country, we've sent, you know, soldiers, you know, uh, at, at recently, you know, to Afghanistan, to Iraq, you know, even going down back to, to, to the Vietnam War and, and World War Two. You know, when the soldiers, soldiers come back, okay, there's no, there's no, I mean, they have the briefing when you, when you have an incident happening, but when you come back, they don't make sure that you are stable. They don't make sure that right. you're okay because you have post-traumatic right. stress syndrome that's real. Right. And and they don't do anything about it. So this is, this is stuff that I don't understand why you complain. You, you, you see what's happening. Obviously, there's a problem. So you got to deal with it. Oh, and by the way, on the Super Bowl, of course, prior to the game, President Obama came out and talked about how we need to close more loopholes and generate more tax revenues uh, to pay for things like education and other other programs, but but yet nowhere does he uh, mention, and, and this is consistently avoided, any spending cuts. Mm. And again, it comes down to you know all the uh, that that excess the, the excess uh, entitlements that are out there. Okay, there should be something done because you know at the end of the day. You know, the bleeding is not going to stop on its own. You know, it's like the, it's like the country has anemia, and we're going to continue to bleed and bleed. We're going to bleed out if they, if they don't do something about it. Right, right. And, of course, you know? there's the other issues of illegal immigrants, global warming, am, mm. uh, you know, amnesty for those illegals, and, and gay marriage. And, and of course, in, in gay marriage, nobody brings up the issue of what about the added burden to our social security system by allowing that to take place mm -hmm. and allowing partners to be able to now uh, t uh, collect their partner's social security income. Yeah, and that, our social that, security system is broken as it is. And that's something that's going to ma have a major impact. And, and again, it, it all comes down to, you know, the government really not having a handle I'm balancing stuff out because it's like they don't want to balance it. They just want to sign bills and, well, I'll sign this if you do this for me type of thing, okay? And it shouldn't be that way, you know? Um, I mean, I, I look back to the conversation that we had on the last show. We were talking about Detroit, what's happening in Michigan, how the unions were broken off, and how you have, you know, companies like Ford and other, you know, auto companies that are coming in, they're spending money now to actually develop over there because now, you know, financially they can actually do something right. financially. They, they can make it work in, right. in order for them to be able to create jobs. You know, you have companies like, uh, um, let's, we'll talk about internet companies, you know, uh, technology companies like Facebook, Google and Apple, you know, I mean, I wish Apple had the ability to produce their products here. But it wouldn't be cost effective for them. But I'm sure that you know they would be able to get some incentives to start doing some stuff here, okay, in order to make stuff happen. But you know, Google, Facebook, they they employ people and they they're creating jobs, and and this is great because it helps you know uh, spark the economy, you know. But you know they're not focusing on true job creation. You know they're looking at the numbers. But they don't understand that with this hurricane, every all these disasters that happening that happen, you, you, your jobs are being created because people they need to rebuild. Right. But at the end of the day, when they rebuild, then what's going to happen? You know, FEMA. Yeah. I mean, when they when they give you the money, it's it's not they're not giving it to you. It's a loan. You got to pay that back. Yeah. <laughs> people think it's free money, and it's not. You got to pay that back. All it is is a loan. Right. You know, but, but at least in, in, in the prior administration, uh, you know, I liked what President Bush said about um, amnesty mm -hmm. uh, when he talked about fines of three to five thousand uh, dollars for breaking the law and, and then making, you know, paying your back taxes and making you a U.S. citizen. Um, mm -hmm. None of that's mentioned in this current administration. 
no, no. I mean, they're, they're trying to push it through. You know, and granted, there's a way for everything to get done and to create jobs and build the economy. Okay, you know, I think, you know, look, in America, uh, people have gotten lazy. And I'm saying it, people have gotten lazy. They'd rather stay home and not do anything because it's cheaper for them to stay home and get uh, whatever check from the government as opposed to getting a job because you'll get a job getting paid as much if you were just staying home just collecting a check, so why go to work? Right. Right. And that, that that doesn't help the economy. That takes away from it. Right. But in my in my blog, I have uh, spoke with the uh, um, president and CEO of uh, Genuine Trading Solutions, and uh, he states that uh, we're ultimately poised for a uh, world major correction in 2013 of the of the S and P 500 and the other uh, uh, European uh, markets. So, you know, I think that as, you know, everyone is in, in this euphoria of the Dow breaking 14,000, um, no one thinks that um, that we're going to see uh, anything but, but positive results coming out of the markets. And that's why I posted uh, the comments from uh, uh, this group on their uh, calculations, their technical analysis of the markets because I'm in full agreement. I think that uh, this economic policies are unsustainable and that uh, it is going to have an effect on the stock markets not firing on all four cylinders. Yeah, you can't, nothing goes up in a straight line. Anyone on Wall Street, you know, that's the first thing you learn. Nothing goes up in a straight line, okay? If anything goes up in a straight line, guess what? It will come down. You know, uh, the Dow breaking, you know, uh, breaking 14, all this stuff happening. It's like, okay, you know, it, it, it's great. It's happening. You know, money's moving around, and supposedly, and uh, people are they're trying to draw the small investor back into the stock market. But, you know, I, I'm going I'm to take a quote from uh, one great investor, probably one of the greatest investors, Warren Buffett. And he, he said this numerous, numerous occasions. He said, you have to focus on your inner scoreboard, not on your outer scoreboard, because if you're looking at everything that's going on around you, you're losing focus on what you know best. If you focus on, on, on the core issue, and I wish the government would do that, on the core of it, then you can actually make things happen. Okay, if you focus on all the noise around you, there's no way you're not going to move forward. It's like a, if you have a, a basketball team or baseball team or whatever playing and they're listening to the crowd and not to what they're doing they'll never they'll never win the game right so it's uh, it's interesting (laughs) the uh events that are are taking place we're seeing obviously a lot of um controversy and a lot of um promise of of various uh things on his agenda to uh to try to uh tackle but um um, they're saying that um you know with with the uh higher taxes uh with the uh, some of the uh, defense spending that's been cut um that we're not going to see uh the president's domestic agenda uh follow through as as uh, as he thinks it or as he wants it to to uh take place mm-hmm. yeah and look and, I, and I'll just add to that you know, I think that he wants it to work out, and he wants to do the right thing. I, uh, you know, people blame Congress, but you have to blame the Senate too. Okay, it's all the politicians. You know, and if he had, I'm sure if he had the opportunity that he would try to do the right thing and make it happen quickly. But uh, the problem is with all these entitlements, you can't keep taking money in and letting it go out because you can't balance your home like that. You can't ba- balance the books like that, you know, because you're going to be, you'll, you'll always be in the red. And, and that's, his that's, comments, that's where we're at. Yeah, his comments on the Super Bowl are puzzling to me, saying that if we close more loopholes and we'll generate more revenues and we can pay down the deficit. I mean, I, I don't know if he thinks that we're all naive and idiotic 
mm-hmm. to believe that uh you know if if we close uh offshore accounts and and various other loopholes that will generate more tax revenue and that by generating more tax revenues that will actually pay down the deficit mm-hmm. you know that, i mean he sense. must think he- that he must think the average American is stupid. Oh, well, apparently, you know, because uh, if, if, if he's saying that and expecting people to believe it, because you're going to close tax loopholes, okay, that means that these people that are actually generating jobs and money here, okay, they'll start taking their money elsewhere. Now you're taking money out of the country. Right. And you're going to force these people to take their money offshore and leave it offshore. Right. You have pe- you'll have people moving out to right. avoid going and dealing with that you know well, it, uh, granted it's people, just like, I, mean, I, I, I don't know of any 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 wealthy person uh that would have a problem paying their fair share who, okay. who was that golfer uh, that uh, was in california that uh phil 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 nicholson phil nicholson yeah yep. who who said you know he gave that apology but but he's just one of few that are are you know tiger woods left california from high taxes and moved to florida and yeah. many wealthy people are moving out of California into Arizona and other states because of their tax policies. And yeah. it's and it's not just going to be you're right, it's not going to be limited just to California. It's going to people are going to move out of the United States. Yeah. If you if you prevent them from uh from generating revenue, then they they'll they'll go and they'll take it elsewhere and they'll take their business elsewhere. You know the, the 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 closing of tax loopholes. I mean, what is that going to add? What one percent? You know, to right. to paying down debt. Are you kidding me? You know, according to President is, Obama, before the Super Bowl, he said not only will it pay down our deficit, but it'll also allow us to spend more on education. But how is that even remotely possible? How is that remotely possible? That means that <laughs> that means that we have like a trillion dollars leaving the country every year. Avoiding paying taxes? I mean, is that what it is? And, of course, I, I hear from the left that, well, you know, look, during the Clinton administration, when when higher taxes were in place, we had the most robust economy ever. So raising taxes does increase robust economies. Yeah, it, it gets people moving because now you have to pay higher taxes. You know what? You're going to work harder. You're going to want to get things done. You know, when when the Reagan administration came in, Okay, that started boosting the economy. Wall Street started booming. Things started happening. Okay, and, you know, Clinton came in. You know, I mean, things were still booming. Right. Things were rocking and rolling. Things were happening. and right. But now we hit, you know, it's, again, it's not Obama's fault. He came into the situation. But, you know, he had four years to kind of deal with it. And now he's going to have another four years to try to deal with it. You know, I don't think that uh, unless they start looking at stuff realistically, you know, right now he, he's not being, he's not going to be reelected. So now is the time to say, okay, you know what, I'm a lame duck. You know what, let's do this the right way. Right. But, you know, but in fact, know. already we're seeing other candidates come up and uh, position themselves for 2016. Oh, yeah. I mean, because they're thinking about the next thing. No one's thinking about this term. And you know Obama really has the opportunity to, to to do the right thing and set his mark in history beyond him being the first African American uh, president. He can be the one that helped to to change things, invoke change. You know, start you know uh, curbing the entitlements, stop allowing people to to sit home and be lazy. You know, uh, create jobs. If you, I'm sure you have you have a lot of people out there that, if given the opportunity, they would rather work. Than, than be on public assistance. So right. give them work. Give them work. I mean, there's so many people that can't find work, and that's the problem. If you can't that's find the, work, how, how are you stimulating the economy? You can't. And stop giving them Obama phones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that has to stop. That, that, really, that really has to stop, you know? And, and now with, with everything that's going on, John, uh, you have you know, earnings coming out, a lot of earnings uh, coming out. And it's interesting, like, uh, and I'll go back to Facebook. Facebook came out, they beat the street, and uh, the stock came down, uh, which is interesting. You know, you have a lot of companies that beat the street. Yeah, a lot of people, yeah, companies that didn't beat. They, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't match the numbers, and they went up. You know, um, 
It's it's crazy out there. It's it's really crazy out there. You know where where is private equity? You know going. You know as we went into uh, 2013, we didn't go over the cliff. We didn't go over the cliff. We just went down a rocky road here. Um, but uh, you know where is private equity sitting uh, at this point? In your opinion? Well, uh, they're they're looking more. I was I was talking with various family offices, and and as a matter of fact, I got a call from from a family office in New York that was looking at a, a real estate private equity fund that uh, specifically had real estate investments in the Midwest, Michigan, and Illinois, and uh, you know they were very interested in uh, uh, and they heard about. As a matter of fact, I told I told them that it's true that there are uh, houses in Detroit you can buy for one dollar. Is that a fact? It's a fact, you know, and mm. that that, that uh, they the city does not have the uh, wherewithal to demolish some of these houses, and um, that um, some of these houses are, of course, are abandoned, and they will just end up um, on Devil's Night um, uh, lit up on fire and that um, they don't have uh, enough people motivated to want to try to rebuild these neighborhoods, and they're offering these properties for $1. Um, so, so we're seeing interest in real estate in private equity, and, mm-hmm. um, and then I'm also seeing more uh, interest in uh, emerging markets and right. uh, in India and Asia, and other emerging markets, Russia. So there's, there is, um, people are looking outside. And, but yet, I've, I've also, as I also told this family office, I'm seeing spinoffs from large private equity firms like Serbius, a group mm-hmm. that was um, with Serbius that mm-hmm. is now on their own, and mm-hmm. they're, they're looking at some 175 deals. But they can't fund all of them because they don't have the capital. So, so there's there's more smaller private equity firms developing with with more deal flow. There's more global private equity firms developing, mm-hmm. and um, and we're seeing just more, um, also more liquidity within the private equity sector uh, instead of locking up for five years as some of these uh, private equity funds do, now they mm-hmm. have some exit strategies in year two or year three, um, mm-hmm. you know, to allow the, that people who, institutions who normally invest, if they want to uh, uh, exit prior to either a restructuring or an IPO or whatever exit strategy they're using, um, mm-hmm. that they can do so. Okay. So now let me ask you with that. You know, obviously, you know, with the, um, you know, with that, with the, with the cities, and I'm going to say cities because I would think they, they're not the state. They would have to be counties and cities that would allow that to happen. Um, now, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that they have certain restrictions. So, you, I mean, I, I would think that, you know, maybe a foreign private equity firm would have a problem, you know, taking advantage of a deal like that. Right. What, what they have to do is set up a feeder fund in the United States, make a Delaware corporation, have the, their offshore headquarters, but yet uh, go through a lot of legal um, steps to uh, to be able to invest in the U.S. as well. Okay. Yeah. So and then they then they would have to go through the approval process because you it's not just about uh, an offer going in saying okay, well you're gonna get you're gonna get these properties for a dollar and here you go. You right. know, you have to meet certain criteria because you have to do certain things because they're giving you that property so you can refurbish it and, and, and do something with it. Right. Yeah, there's 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 going to be city laws as well as state laws. And, and uh, it was funny because the the uh, comments that I got from this family office was, well, well, gee, John, we don't have to wear – we don't want to wear a bulletproof vest in order to uh, go look at these properties. <laughs> yeah, and that, but this is why you know I think with with the uh, with the I guess the the decayed areas the the decayed urban areas that 
you know, these houses may sit in, um, it, I think that they need to work with people within the within the community for them to actually take advantage of that. And I think that would be well, interesting. Well, they do because the city can't even afford to bulldoze down these houses and and to uh, to allow new developers to to develop new housing. They, I mean, they just don't have the funds to even um, to try to rebuild. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what's interesting too with with these type of houses and these uh, you know decaying urban areas with the cities. They're not you know, as you said. They're not. They don't have the funds to actually demolish them. You know the banks. It's really interesting. The banks that initially went to foreclose on those type of houses, you know, they kind of just let it go. And people actually moved out of these homes thinking they're foreclosed on, but then they find out later that, hey, you still own the house. And guess what? You owe back taxes. (laughs) Right. And not only that, if you you short-sailed it and – you went ahead and got out of the property that the uh, the differential between uh, what you owed on it and what you sold it at is actually considered a gain by the IRS, and therefore you owe taxes on that as well. Wow, they get you coming and going. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, is that a way to to help boost the economy? Uh, I, I would say no. You know, I I think that, that, that the individual cities should really, you know, entice some, you know, money people in that state to come in and 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 start some maybe, you know, a localized private equity fund to actually uh, a development fund to actually take advantage of that because, you know, they you, there are possibilities, there are ways to do it. You know, because you have cities that were decaying, you have cities that were nothing, that, you know, built up. You know, you see Florida right now, you have a lot of areas that are building up, and it's interesting. You know, and as you mentioned earlier, a lot of people are starting to move down there because of the, uh, you have no state income tax. Right. All right, and that that's a big plus for individuals. You know, you're out there, you're making, you know, your, your 100, 200 grand a year, you know, that, that that tax you may be paying to the state of five, six, seven percent, whatever it may be, you know that doesn't exist. So you're actually you know making more money. You still deal with your federal. We, you don't escape that, you know. But you know you're you're able to actually do more. And if you're able to do more, that means you're spending a little more. If you're spending a little more, you're helping to build. And I mean, and how do how how do these counties continue to build in Florida without state income tax? They're not. They're not did getting uh, a, a lot of funds from the government. Right. Did you see in the news there was a uh, a large uh, waterfront property in Boca that uh, a squatter went in and right. just uh, started living there. And apparently, there's a old law in the books in Florida that makes it difficult once somebody is uh, taken uh, not ownership but but possession of. Mm-hmm. the house that it makes it difficult to get them out and this woman living next door said that she was willing to buy the house just to get rid of the uh squatter mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, i mean it's funny because you know florida laws they 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 go way 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 back you know and it's interesting that things like that you know do pop, pop up i i forget the um the, the, the terminology for it, you know, it's a certain state. Um, I, I, I forget what it's called, but uh, this uh, they, they call it a certain certain state. You have, I think, uh, six or seven states that are like that. Yeah, it's got to do with possession, but but I had a, a friend of mine who was running a private equity fund in Florida, and he was acquiring waterfront properties in Fort Myers and Miami and uh and other cities in Boca and so forth <clears throat> and and he was telling me that some of these condos that in Miami that were one two million dollar condos are now going for you know six hundred nine hundred thousand um you know and and some of these homes in Fort Myers on the waterfront that were one and two million dollar homes are now going for four and five hundred thousand wow 
and and that it is drying up. That that people people uh, who had the ability to step in and and buy in these troubled markets are definitely uh, were able to, to take advantage of that and and acquire some of these properties. And they are saying that that inventory is shrinking. Um, and the availability for people to take advantage of some of these deals, you know, is shrinking, and that's mm-hmm. where they're talking about some of the growth in the housing markets. Uh, it's just because inventory levels are are diminishing. Yeah, and, and that's because people are are you know picking up these properties for nothing. I, I've heard stories where you've had you know uh, properties that were worth. You know, upwards of two, three million dollars that people are picking up. You know, for a couple hundred grand, and you know, once you start taking that out of the equation, then it starts boosting up. You know, everything around it. Um, right. And I don't think I don't think that's going to stop because you have a lot of Russian money coming in. Uh, you know, to the uh, to Miami, to Boca, to those to those areas over there. Everything, anything about anything by the water, they're going there and they're acquiring and they're building up. You know, China. Uh, my- they said China. China is buying a lot, and that it's very prestigious to uh, to live in China and to say that you have property in the United States, especially waterfront property. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, because that that's that's status, right? And that that's the same thing with in Russia, the same exact thing. And it's interesting because they'll go and they'll buy you know uh, waterfront property. Uh, in Italy, and and you know now they can get stuff in Greece, you know stuff like that. You know they have their waterfront property, you know, uh, and they come over here and they're doing it too, and they're they're spending a lot of money, you know. Uh, and Miami real estate is actually booming, and and they have a ten year cycle where it booms and it it comes back, and then it booms and it comes back. You know, it's interesting how how if you look at the charts, how that uh, how that shows. But right now, you know, they already hit rock bottom. Now, you know, at least for the next, you know, uh, if if it uh, adheres to history, at least for the next ten years, things are going to be booming. So that that should be right. interesting within itself. And right, uh, so, so I think that's where we're seeing part of that that as as Obama calls it that that slow steady. Growth is because he, you know, he sees pockets of of uh, of recovery, uh, especially in that real estate market. But but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's going to take it, the commercial real estate market is still depressed, and uh, we're I'm, we're in talks with uh, with some commercial real estate funds, and um, you know, they're uh, uh, the shoe did drop on on the commercial property, and there's still a lot of vacancies on on commercial properties and so we we're not out of the woods uh yet uh with this economy and the and the recovery and the growth uh we still got a long way to go oh we have a long way to go but i believe that uh if they they start doing stuff about the entitlements and giving people you know and 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 look even with the housing okay you know there it's interesting you have the inventory but they're they're tightening up the lending regulations, so you need more money to borrow money. <laughs> right. You know, so you need what ten percent to borrow money. You need fifteen percent to borrow money. So now you need to come up with a lot of money to in order to to buy a home in the first place. And first home first home buyers that is key because they are going to be taking the inventory off the shelves and helping to boost the housing market. So how are they doing that if they can't get a damn loan? How? Right, right. They they have to borrow from their parents. Mhm. And again, their parents are getting hit too. They're getting hit too. You know, um, you know, because their parents are probably you know like kids now that their parents uh, probably had their four hundred one ks and everything and so on and so forth and they got they got hit too well, financially with everything that was going on in the market. Granted. Stocks, you know, moved up and everything, but still, you know, you're dealing with the tax situation, and everything else. So I, I don't know. You know, they they need to come up with something that that's uh, a comprehensive plan that's going to actually help things. You know, because you're you're dealing with the private equity end of it, so you see how people are. You know, they're bottom fishing. They're looking for those disc those deals because they're there. 
and they, you know, you have that foreign money coming in, so they're just waiting. They're sitting there waiting to go and and take advantage of this. So it's like America's on sale. Absolutely, and and it reminds yeah. me of years ago when the uh, Japanese were coming in and buying up all of Hawaii and uh, and and half of California. Yeah, and 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 now you have. Um, now you have situations where, you know, you have the inventory. Yeah, you say, let's say you have inventory coming off the shelves. All right, great. Okay, what about people living here? You can't get a loan. You can't find any. You can't go become a first home buyer, homeowner. Okay, and you're getting hit with taxes and all this stuff. You know, and, and it's and it's killer. It's it really is. It's it's like you work to you you work to go pay uh, these taxes. And these taxes are, are actually, you know, um, taking care of these entitlements. So now these entitlements, which are taking care of people that, that are, I mean, they're not paying taxes and that money. Okay, so how, you know, how is that stimulating the economy? They have to keep plugging more money in. You know, I, I think it would just be easier just to, you know, Create again, just create jobs and start, you know, reducing the entitlement. Stop the spending, as you you preached, you know, time and time again. You have to reduce the spending. Right, right. And, you know, and these you, programs, these programs need to be modified. The, the simple adjustment of the cost of living index and the uh, Social Security uh, trust fund would save uh, tens of billions of dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just these these little things that, that can make a difference, that need to make a difference, because when they calculated the, the Social Security Trust Fund, the average age of life expectancy was some 68 years old. Now it's 83 years old. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's going higher because people are living longer, you know, which is interesting because, we, you know, when they, they the stats were out that, what is it, one – I guess one in three or one in four people are obese in the United States. That they are obese. That that is insane. That that's an insane number. <laughs> How are we living longer then? <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe you know. Uh, I don't know how that's working. You know, maybe McDonald's spending something in their food to uh, <laughs> to uh, keep people going. I don't know. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, people are living longer. People are living to ninety, a hundred. You know, um, you have they're, they're going to increase the uh, the retirement age, you know, from you know, your 62 or 65 to 70 or 72. So now they start increasing that age, and people have to work, you know, longer. You know, I mean, it's it's not like they have a choice. You have to work longer. So now you're working longer. Now what happens? Okay. Now I mean, I mean that that's that's just a regular job. You know, I mean, the city jobs. From what I know, uh, you can retire at a younger age. You know, if you're a cop, you can retire at a younger age, and you can go and get another job after that, get your pension, get another city job or that type of thing, and then you get another pension on top of that. You know, um, not not you know, not all the um, not all the retirement uh, I guess requirements are uh, are equal when it comes to the city jobs, though. And I could be wrong, you know, if I am, I, I do welcome anyone to uh, correct me, but that's from what I understand. Right. You know, but I would, no, I, I would I, like... I would probably agree with that. Yeah, and I, one thing that I would like to know is, you know, what is what is the government going to do to help spark jobs? What What is President Obama going to do to help bring, to allow U.S. companies to actually manufacture here in the U.S., not just auto, but everything. Right. You know, well, how there's no jobs program. Our... Matter, no, matter of fact, I mean... he, he, he killed the jobs council uh, uh, just uh, last week. Uh, that's that's incredible because we need jobs. You know, you're you're crippling us. And you're not giving people an opportunity to work. You know, we are a country where people want to work. Okay, you have some people that don't want to work because they're, they're lazy. Okay, but for the most part, people want to get out and they want to work and they want to they want to go in and and keep themselves active and be part of the uh, the community and be an active part of the community. Um, but if you don't have anywhere to get a job, what are you going to do? How, how are you going to do it? You can't. You know, if you don't have the skills, how are you going to get the skills? They they used to have programs 
you know, if you were a welfare recipient, that you had to, mandatory, you had to go and find a job or go get training. I don't know what happened to that. I, I, I think that, I thought that was a great idea. Right. You give people right. the skills. I've, you teach somebody I've how to lost, fish. I, I've lost a lot of hope, Lou. Yeah, it's sad because, you know, the way I look at it, if you if you uh, uh, create uh, opportunities for people, okay, and you teach them how to do a thing, they'll more than likely want to do that thing because then they can stand on their own, on their own two feet and do it. All right, if you allow companies to manufacture here, give them a deal. Give them the tax, the tax breaks. Don't sit there and suck them dry. Let them take advantage. Let them take advantage because they're creating jobs. So you're not making a quadrillion dollars off that company. You'll make it off the workers. You're taxing the workers. You can't tax the people. That's okay. Let the companies earn. Okay, because they're paying their employees. I don't care if you're the president of the company. On down, you 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 have to pay your taxes. That's how you spark growth. You don't spark growth by taxing the companies and doing everything in your power to make it harder for them to do business in 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 the uh, in the U.S. That's a problem. That is a big problem. You know, there was a time where it was you know you can go and build, you get tax incentives, everything else, and people wanted to do business here. You had foreign companies coming here to do business, but that stopped. Well, I, I think that stopped when when everyone uh, saw the, the high cost of labor. Mm-hmm. The unions. It goes back. That goes back right. to the unions. But now That's in Detroit, right. as, as as we talked about in Michigan, they disbanded that. You know, they said goodbye, see ya. Now we can go start manufacturing. And I guess at the union, see the unions, and I, I said this time and time again, they serve their purpose. I think at you know, with certain unions, you know, you start bleeding the company dry. You try to bleed the company dry. You're, you're paying someone fifty dollars an hour to to screw a screw into uh, and into uh, a fender. It doesn't make any sense, you know. Doesn't make any sense because then the cars are going to cost more to buy. So right. you're spending, you know, instead of twenty grand to get an affordable car, you're spending fifty grand to get the same car that that runs the same damn way. How's that making right. sense? Doesn't make any sense. Where GM well, is in, in China and they're cre- they, they're developing these vehicles over there and they're selling it in China cheaper than you can get it over here. Right. Well, and and the uh, president of Ford Land Development. Uh, told a, a friend of mine right here in Detroit that uh, they closed up the Lincoln plant here uh, and opened it up in, uh, in uh, uh, South Korea because it was cheaper uh, to uh, to uh, build cars there. Yeah, but you know how sad that is? If you are, you know, the, the governor of, the, of, of that state, okay, he, I mean, if I was him, I'd be really annoyed. I'd be really pissed off. You know, because there has to be a way to keep the business there. You know, and I, and I go back to Governor Rick Scott. You know, I mean, a lot of people, they, they're critical of him. I think he's doing a bang-up job because he's bringing business to the state, and that's his job. Right. To build the state, right. to, to create jobs and, and give people a better uh, an opportunity for a better way of life. And he's actually doing that. You know, uh, everything else, you know, who knows, you know. But I know that he's actually trying to create the jobs over there, and he's giving companies the opportunity to do that without getting strangled. You know, you can't do that in New York. You can't do that in certain states. God forbid you do something in California. Oh, forget about it. And and California, you know, they'll go. People, they'll pay the higher taxes. And they'll shrug and they'll do it because they're used to it. Um, but when you go somewhere else, you're like, whoa, wait, what have I been doing here? Right. You know, well, and, and that's it, where uh, states like Florida are growing because they don't have that tax issue. Yeah, but they 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 have this is why other states should take a page out of their book and learn, learn from it and and stop putting their their personal stuff in, in the way because, you know, Detroit is going to build up again. You allow manufacturing there, it's going to build up and because it did it before and it'll happen again. You allow manufacturing and, 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 and business and growth in any state, and you, you, you hold those companies tight. Yeah, you coddle them. Let them grow. You do that, 
guaranteed jobs will be created. You will have a lot of positive things happening. Okay, but government has to step out of the way and, and, and give those incentives to allow that to happen. I agree, Lou, and uh, hopefully we'll see more of that take place and, and uh, we'll see uh, economic growth uh, continue. And, and uh, you know, uh, what, what I plan to do on my part is just to continue to bring uh, different uh, um, things to uh, the surface uh, so mm-hmm. that people can, can see you know what uh what what else is out there mm-hmm. what's available and uh you know and where they might be looking uh, uh as the next step yeah and and you you with you on the private equity front again you you're seeing a lot of um the inner workings and this is what listeners should really you know understand that you're seeing the inner workings of what's happening and these inner workings are, are is what actually is going to help Spark things in certain areas because when you have private equity coming in, you know, to uh, into to the real estate sector in certain areas or into acquiring certain companies in certain industries, and they're keeping the business there. You know, money is coming into it for them to help things to grow. You know, but the only way that that's going to be successful is if the government gives incentives to the companies for them to grow. So you know, it's like um, you know, it's it's just interesting because when the private equity and you you can you can correct me if I'm wrong, John, but when the private equity comes in and that money starts coming in, you know they're looking, you know, a couple of years down the road in hopes that you know once the uh, hopefully that Obama starts changing things or they're looking for the next administration to come in. Well, they're they're looking for the next area of growth, and you know, and they want to bring that. That area of growth uh, to the, the surface to the public um, to make the public cognizant of, of um, what the next development may be, um, mm-hmm. so that um, people who want to participate uh, can and they can. There's like as we described, there's multiple ways they can do it, and uh, and and um, they can do it through different channels and and mm-hmm. you know be able to capitalize on that growth, but. Um, uh, the, the astute individual who pays attention to these trends uh, is going to be the individual whose uh, portfolio is not solely dependent on uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Yeah. And then yeah, I agree with you a thousand percent on that. You have to be diversified. You have to look at alternative investments. You know, private equity. You know, is is a great uh, way. Hedge funds. You know, I mean, hedge funds, they're looking for the quick hit. You know, private equity, you're looking more long-term, and that's what investors need to do. If you're an accredited investor and you're listening to the show, you know, you need to, and I can't, I don't have to tell you this, but you need to look at your options and you need to see what else is out there where you can put your money to work, not have to worry about it, and know that, you know, down the road, in the next couple of years, that you're going to start reaping the rewards of your investment, as opposed to you having to worry about the day to day. You know, because oh, if you're a slave to the Dow, it's a problem. Yeah, and keep in mind too that that the greater risk, the greater the reward. So by mm-hmm. having that uh, that risk of illiquidity, which typically is inherent in private equity, that the rewards are usually and most often much higher than the returns of the market um yeah. has, has has ever been so so there's a trade off yeah and the thing is you never you know when you have uh what investors need to understand too John is that when they invest in a private equity fund if the fund is diversified you know they can they they can be you know investing in an, in a in a sector that can be the next big thing you know uh you know look, look at the private equity funds that actually stepped in, you know, to a Facebook, you know, in, in the beginning before they went public. Okay, right. even, even the, the second tier investors that came in, uh, they, they 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 were reaping the rewards like crazy, and they were able to actually liquidate, so that they can they can go and the investors can actually uh, you know have their have their profits, and they did they did that, and they probably right. reinvested in the stock as well. But these opportunities do come up. 
And and I and I would say that you know that uh, accredited investors, if they want to get more information, they want to learn more about this. You know, you're definitely uh, a fountain of information. And what you do, you have you have your your fingers on the pulse of what's going on in private equity. So I, I do urge uh, our listeners that are interested in this to go to areocapitalllc.com and check it out and and find out what John's doing because he has a lot of information, a lot of insight, and he has a lot of a lot of uh, things going on not only uh, uh, stateside but overseas, you know, in India, China, and, and you know different emerging markets. Right. Keep keep in mind too that if you go to the blog that that we we do discuss some of the the things we're working on and it and it gives you an opportunity to kind of read up and and uh, and be able to uh, see where the, some of those next trends may be. Yeah, and 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 you can yeah definitely do that. You know, uh, look at the blog, uh, see what's going on. You know, pick up the phone and, and give uh, John a shout out. And uh, if you are accredited, an accredited investor, definitely, you know, you, this is something you probably want to be involved with because you will have access that really, you know, uh, a lot of investors won't because, you know, in order, and again, John, correct me if I'm wrong, in order to get involved in the, in the private equity situations that you're, that you're involved with, you know, they would have to know that it exists. Or that they, you know, because it's not just going to pop up on TV. Right, and and typically where there some of the uh, clients are are smaller foundations that that uh, you know are not like the Gates Foundation where you know everyone and their brother is trying to to pitch their their next invention to for funding. Um, these smaller fo- foundations will uh, will look at. Um, the, these next opportunities, these growth opportunities, uh, because they uh, they know that um, uh, they're looking long term, and they can mm-hmm. afford to look out uh, three, four, five years, um, and they know that um, um, their um, their risks are are contained and, and diversified, and and um, you know, and they they evaluate just like just like any individual would, and they evaluate. The, the the diversification the risk within and uh to be able to uh determine you know is this a, something that is uh should should 10% of my portfolio be in there should 20% you know gee this new emerging market fund uh, looks extremely attractive maybe i should put 25% you know whatever the case may be everyone uh whether you're on an institutional level or an individual level uh is evaluating uh, those trends and those risk management uh, to to determine you know where they should put their uh, assets uh, based on economic growth. Yeah. So for you know uh, investors out there, you know it's not a crapshoot. They're actually doing research to find out exactly what's going to make the most sense longer term because that's what they do. They're not hedge funds. They're not looking for the quick hit. They're not looking to uh, to, to to turn a trade and go from there. You know they're looking for they're looking for the long haul. So if you again, you know if you're looking for those type of investments and that that, that type of situation, definitely you know get you know do your due diligence. You know go to ariocapitalllc.com, check it out, and you'll find out more. And and again, I'll repeat it. You know that John is a fountain of of information. You'll hear it on the show because he does uh, you know uh, let uh, let you in a little bit. But if you reach out, I'm sure he'll let you in more. And you'll get a better idea and find out, you know, what he's involved with. Uh, but on that note, uh, John, do you have anything to say in closing? Well, it's just that I appreciate, you know, as always, Lou, to be on the show, and and, and it's always good to be able to uh, to discuss the various issues and, and let everybody else make up their minds on on where they stand on these issues. And and if we and if we continue to do this, I I think it'll spark uh, that uh, the, everyone to to want to reach out. Uh, to, to vocalize their opinion, and, and, and that uh, chain of events will should should go ahead and cause the necessary changes that we need in, in this economy. And that's all we can do is, is do what we're doing, John. We can just hope that the people stand up and understand, open your eyes, 
and, you know, take control of what's happening because, you know, if you leave it in the hands of the government and you go blind, oh, my God, we're going to have some issues. If we don't have them now, we're going to definitely have them later. Uh, but uh, on that note, you know, John, always a pleasure to have you on, and we'll be here next week, uh, you know, same time. Uh, same bad time, same bad channel, <laughs> and uh, you'll you know we'll have John back on, and we'll have a whole host of other things to talk about. And again, you know, for our listeners, we don't know what we're going to get into in that particular day. It's just what's happening during the week, or maybe something that happened that day, and we will really get into it. But it's all for your benefit. Get educated, learn, absorb, move forward. And ask questions always. John, thank you again. And we'll be back with you uh, next week on Money Never Sleeps. Thanks, Lou. You got it. You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. What we got here is a failure to communicate. Oh, have I got your attention now? For lack of a better word, you good. You know what I mean? Money to be made in a place like this. Money never sleeps, pal. You're crazy. Don't run when you lose. Don't whine that hurt. You know what it takes to sell real estate? It takes brass, 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 brass. I'm falling! <laughs>